Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell-West. And uh, summer is still here, blazing down uh. upon Buckinghamshire, yeah, with only occasional bursts of rain and, and to relieve the, the tedious sunshine of it. Oh, dear. It makes me want to, makes me want to crawl back under my rock, it really does. A nice air-conditioned rock. <sighs> Cool with, with, with hot and cold running handmaidens. That's what I want. However, um, we are here to discuss. What, what are we discussing this this time, Roger? Well, g- game mechanics. Uh, particularly, there a lot of recent games have mechanics that uh, direct you to in, into a particular style of play. So, does this work? How does it work? Is it is it a good thing? Also, a couple of new games. With uh, uh, well, newish. Well, once we, 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 I have been uh, buying things uh, incontinently, incontinent, incontinently. New, new to Roger games. Uh, I've been buying games incontinently um, uh, in order to fill the great void of uh, staying at home a lot, and uh, these are two that I've actually read. So, I one other thing that I've actually read is uh, a recent posting by Andrew Rilston. Uh, a gentleman of some small fame in the role-playing uh, role-playing world about his early days in uh, in role-playing and why he hasn't been doing so much recently. I refer you to his uh, to his website. We'll put the well, we'll put a link in the show notes. Put the link in the show notes. It touched uh, it touched a few of my own uh, memories, and I, I and I uh, I would recommend it to you. Uh, for fun and for nostalgia. Yeah, I. I oh, this is. I the, find Andrew very, very. He has a tendency to be pompous. I don't think he would disagree with that if I said it to his face. Well, come on, are you? Uh, I, 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 w- I will say that. Um, while, while I don't agree with with his basic thing that that the anticipation and the nostalgia were always better than the actual game, which is what he seems to be saying, I, I will certainly agree with him that the sort of game that is about the rules mastery is not terribly interesting. You know, ab- about no, knowing that the, this is that sort of monster, therefore use this sort of attack against it. It's not one that I, I particularly care to play anymore, at least. Oh, well. Oh, well, the, he's not charging you for it unless you you want a want a physical copy. So go and read it for free anyway. Now we don't charge anything, but people do sometimes send us money. Hey, it helps encourage us to keep doing this. And I would like to say thank you to Brett Evel, uh, who's uh, contributed to keep keep the show going. Well. Uh, if if you would like to. Uh, Join, join this august bunch, uh, paypal.me slash rogerbw, and uh, make, make a note that it's for, for the podcast, uh, and I, I will share it with Mike. When we actually get together again the next time, when we are allowed, contagiously related, to be in the same vicinity. Oh, are we going to do that again? I, th- I thought we were here forever. Oh, very likely. I, I, I want to go to another of your, your barbecues again before I die. You know. Fair point. I want to hold another one before I die. Um, but anyway, while we are temporarily barbecueless, uh, there are still things you can buy. Uh, 
from our good friends uh, at the Bundle of Holding, there are two interesting things um, uh, to chat about this, this month. One of which is Fellowship, um, a, a game I'm going I'm to review in more depth a little later. But basically, it's um, it's a it's the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship, as in the sense of the Fellowship of the Ring. Going around and trying to fix the world. Epic Fantasy uh, Quest, the RPG. Yeah, um, this is the this is one of the reasons I'm going to talk about it in a moment. Um, it also touches upon a, something we're going to m- mention in a, in a bit about. Um, no, no, we'll we'll come back to so, that. So it, 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 it's interesting in several respects, and it's running until the sixth of July. Running until the thirteenth of July is yeah. a revival from an offer from two years ago, Tunnels and Trolls. So you've got the rules, you get lots of adventures. Uh, this also includes the old edition of Monsters, Monsters, uh, which has just come out in a new edition, which I own. Yeah. Uh, we're, yes, well, this is... Which I believe all... is the first role-playing game that allows you to play a Shoggoth as a player character. <laughs> or anything anything you like, uh, which might be hanging around the Monsters Ready Room in the average dungeon. Um... Yeah, why why not play the uh, the the people who are trying to fight against the capitalist oppressors who are coming down into your dungeon and killing you and stealing your stuff? I feel this is um, first revolutionary uh, role playing game. Uh, it's not not a game I paid a lot of attention to back in the day, but um, Big Jack Brass of Watson Hall, with whom, whom I play most weeks, uh, is is a great fan of it, and I'm I'm rather liking it. It's Fairly one-dimensional in terms of the things you can do. You don't really have skills. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, for, for for a let's go down a dungeon and, and try not to get too badly hurt, it works all right. It, yeah, it, it is it is a beer and pretzels sort of game. It doesn't take itself entirely seriously, or indeed seriously at all. It does appear um, that, it, that um, a variant of it in a fanzine may have been the first ever Lovecraftian role-playing game. Oh, well, in, in that case, that is a. Uh, we do not expect our, our listeners to have the same levels of historic interest that we do, I don't think. But anyway, we, we recommend those to you if it's the sort of thing that you like. show Shimin Beg has sent us some questions about game mechanics and in particular uh, mechanics that push you into a particular play style yeah um, one, one obvious example of this is in the Doctor Who RPG where if you if you are talking and you're, 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 you're trying to persuade somebody not to shoot you you will always act before the people who are trying to shoot you if you're trying to do something clever to, to this or trying to run away you will always act before the people who are trying to shoot you which is uh, neat and utterly unrealistic, but but it does give you the feel of the of, of the Hoovian universe. I the, since Greg Stafford put together Pendragon and said, I don't think I need intelligence as a stat for knights. Knights don't do cleverness. <laughs> um. Then, 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 then I think that was the first occasion on which somebody said, uh, "Let's make the let's, let, let's make the game all about 
the specific thing that it's all about. And in some ways, this is very good. It's it's a major tool of any game developer to uh, to say here is here is the focus. Um, let us uh, let us stick to the focus. Also, I think that, not not to be crude about it, to distinguish your game from all the other games, this is the game about X. Yeah, this is the game where you do X. But the problem is, I I think the problem is that when whatever way we're doing this, we're normally playing people, and people are multi-purpose tools. People do things. Out of their out of their idiom all the time. Well, not all the time. Some of us some of us are very tediously sticking to uh, to what we know and playing what we know. But um, but human beings can always step out, or other types of people. I'm sorry, unconscious unconscious speciesism there um, are always stepping to one side of what they normally do and doing something else. Well, here's the thing. I think in a lot of genres the characters in the story do not do those things. Well, yeah. The, the, guy who, the guy who is the brave military man is going to be the brave military man through the story, and he's going to act in accordance with that, and if he doesn't, people are going to say, hey, this is weak characterisation. Well, uh, no, some of us are going to say, well, this is very interesting, li- listening about uh, about the time when our brave hero was not brave, and or learning about his backstory. Um, uh, do you remember the uh, UFO, the... Um, Jerry Anderson live action series. Well, all right. I re- it was one of one of the best moments in it was when we stepped aside from the uh, fighting fighting implacable and insidious aliens and looked at the backstory of the lead lead character Commander Straker and the reason his marriage failed and that sort of thing. That was of interest, but the problem I think arises when you get an out-of-context problem arising in the, in the narrative terms and you can't actually do anything with the game system uh, because it has focused you down very narrowly and you only have this very limited template of tools. I find it happening sometimes in my Power by the Apocalypse stories. Mm-hmm. A good Power by the Apocalypse adaptation will have a general purpose um, means of resolving things. Um, in Monster of the Week, which is what I'm doing at the moment, uh, there is act under pressure. Uh, you don't actually want to <laughs> see the... You actually want to roll dice about um, when the player characters aren't acting under pressure. There is very little drama in them sitting around the Waffle House and deciding what to have for breakfast. But act under pressure is a sort of generic, um, I am now going to attempt to be cool and solve this problem. It's incredibly abstract, now I think about it, but it's there to handle all the other problems which there isn't a specific set rule for. And some games um, do... What do you do when, when the knight wants to be clever? Um, it's not really, it's not entirely subverting um, the, uh, the the genre, is it? One could argue that that it's being unlikely. It's not not acting in accordance with the sort of characters you get 
in the mort. Because let's face it, the mort is mostly tin-plated rapists going going about claiming they're the good guys. Um, oh, okay. Well, I think, uh, yeah, I'm not sure that rapists occasionally finding yourself in, in a lady's boudoir uh, by mistake seems to have happened to them an awful amount, though. Mm-hmm. But you know, have you have you played that early uh, Greg Stafford board game uh, called something like King Arthur's Knights? Uh, once or twice, long, long time ago. And it's been that, a long that, time since I've that, seen that it. That does very much the same thing of saying, right, you know, if if you behave knightly, you yeah. you, you will do well in the game, and if you don't, then you won't. Um, I I do think that that a knight who who wants to come up with with a cunning plan that is outside the existing skills, bearing in mind the existing skills include things like how to run a battle. Yeah. Um, I mean, a, a knight who's trying to lay an ambush is not being knightly. That's a dishonourable thing to do. That's true, yes. Um, all right. Um, so I'm, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think the space of this is a thing that the genre allows and encourages and this is the thing that the game system doesn't support, is quite small. Well, this is why I think I prefer a simulationist system. Well, this is why I like running GURPS. Because I can bake in all the necessary mechanics for being that particular sort of person. And the psychological encouragement to... Uh, to follow the code of honour, damn it, and uh, to, or to, or to play up your other mental disadvantages. But in GURPS, but, you can also play the knight who isn't really honourable, but everybody thinks he is because he tells a great story about how how he did it terribly honourably afterwards. Yeah, and uh, and I can uh, I can find some mechanical means for allowing his uh, his his deeply cunning behaviour uh, to take place and to uh, to take place. And be adjudicated and run in the in the game mechanics. And and we had a great fair fight. And then at the end, he accidentally shot himself in the back with his own crossbow. At the end of the fight, uh, definitely. At the end of the fight, yes. Uh, no, 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 no. It wasn't uh, there. Was, there was this this uh, treacherous Swiss sn- sniper um, in a nearby tree, and he shot him in the back. Yes. I I I, I chased the blighter. I chased the blighter, but you know, um, my my gammy leg, my gammy leg. Look, I even got the crossbow, so you won't try, it, try that on anybody else. Perhaps, perhaps, uh, trace it, trace the crossbow. No, I don't <laughs> think that's. I don't think that's possible. No. All right. Uh, the, the thing is, is I, it, I, I think the, these are effective when they are in support of genre, and the more t- and the more specifically defined the genre is, the better they are. I mean, I said for years that uh, the the main system I would run that wasn't GURPS is Pendragon, specifically because. It, it has the mechanics that support the style of play that is Pendragon. Yeah. Um, I'm not particularly interested in running, oh, uh, let's say Gamma World. I mean, partly because I'm not interested in that, that style of play, but but also because if I want Gonzo Retroactive Mutants, I'll just knock them together in GURPS. Mm. I, don't, I don't think Gamma World, has, as a rule set, has a thing to offer that GURPS doesn't in that regard. Similarly, a, dun- a dungeon fantasy uh, mode of GURPS will do a dungeon bash. Yeah. And has the advantage um, of being a system I already know. I'm fi- I find myself 
ambiguous about um, about about gumshoe, about his particular <laughs> means of doing things. About it seems to me, especially gumshoe, uh, gumshoe shock. Um, is, which, which iteration is that? It's the one in. Um, it's a. It, it's a, it's the one with the with the card results. The one in the solo games and in uh, the Yellow King role playing game. Okay. Where you find yourself hanging, out, giving out um, the results of a uh, of an action, good or bad. Are always um, are always a, a card, which uh, gives advantages and disadvantages later on, wounds and psychic shock and social disadvantages as well. And it strikes me that those adventures are always terribly tightly, uh, terribly tightly defined, um, and very uh, that there's always a, a solid path through it and very little opportunity improvising off the path of Well you need to have logic. the cards don't you I mean presumably you, yeah. could, you could have a set of cards that said generic injury but yeah. that's not terribly believe, interesting. No it's not um, and, uh, and and because you have to set up the cards and you have to set up the encounters it becomes much more much more rigid that, than it look, at least it looks from the outside much more rigid. Uh, I mean, maybe it's not intended to be be that way. Well, I think I can answer. I can say what the authors would say to some extent because I remember when Gumshoe first came out, yeah. And um, Ken and Robin were were saying essentially, at the end of the story, of course, it's going to look railroaded because there is only one path that you took. Um. Mm. And if it's going to look railroaded anyway, then then you don't actually need, I mean, you you need multiple paths, and, and that's the thing Robin yeah. did in uh, Robin's Laws of Game Mastering, some some years back. Um, mm. so, but at the, at the same time, there's the thing that the adventure is about. And yeah. Yeah. You you can you can go off and investigate in in multiple directions. You shouldn't be constrained in that. But if the clues lead you ultimately back to the same point, well, that's fine too, because that's what the adventure is about. You know, you, you, you need you need to at some point find out what what's so special about the Maltese Falcon. Find out who's yeah. your partner, whatever. I'm not, I'm not sure about about this. The way that earlier um, that pre Gumshoe uh, investigative scenarios were written and non Gumshoe investigative scenarios are written now seems a little looser. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm finding the the, the mechanics is a straight jacket uh, of, of things, and the, the fact that the characters are so strictly defined in the terms of their skills and skill pools, and that there isn't a, a way to say, but what if he wants to to, to try interpretive interpretative dance, mm-hmm. um, or something that that the system hasn't hasn't thought of. Well, there are two things in, in Gumshoe in general that seem to me to be pushing you into a particular style of play. Um, one is the you will automatically get the, get the core clue, uh, yeah. which I don't regard as being terribly innovative because there was a whole bunch of GM advice before Gumshoe came out that, basi- that basically said some variant of if you're not prepared for the role to fail, don't, allow don't, the, make, don't, don't make the role. 
Yeah. Or if you're not prepared for the role to succeed, don't make the role. You know, make make it explicit, rather than letting the player think, yeah, maybe mm. I could could do it. Um, but the other thing is what I think of as a spotlight sharing mechanic. The the way that uh, in order to have your moment of being awesome, you have to burn off some of your ability. And what that mm. means in practice, and we'll come come to another thing in a bit, is that. Once an adventure is over a particular length, or if if there's more than a certain amount of stuff in it, let, let's say you're using it for um, something with some fighting, and you get into two or three fights. Yeah. Well, that that person with with um, fighting ability ten is now no different mechanically from the person with no fighting ability at all because they've spent it all. Yeah. And, until they can rest and recharge it, that's fair enough. But the the idea that there is no mechanical distinction between the person who's an expert, competent, but tired, and the person who knows doesn't know which end of a sword to use. Hmm. It's a bit low resolution for me. Yeah. I've... Uh... Hmm. Now, that You could reasonably argue that the answer to that is don't use it for games that where that sort of thing happens. Use, use it for stuff where investigative abilities are the most important abilities. But... Yeah, but again, it feels like you're, that the the game system is is putting you inside um, inside fenced off areas and not allowing you to climb over the fence and go and do something and, and go and do something entirely different. I yeah, it's it's hard enough in any skill based game system when the player turns to you and says, "Why haven't I got leadership? Why haven't I got?" Uh, insight. Um, I, I ought to have this. Uh, well, that, that, that's what templates are good for. Hmm. Yeah, somebody if, has if, if, if you are, I don't know, uh, a, a, a member of His Majesty's Martian Fusiliers, then these God, are, these are the skills them. that you ought to have if you're if you're any good at the job. I think that the distinction that I'm trying to make is between um, game mechanics that make me say goody, I am now in a game like this. And game mechanics which make me say, oh dear, I'm stuck in a game like this. I Bearing in mind, for different people, these could be the same mechanic. Yeah, but the, for some reason, that I feel a, there is a lot of prescription in modern uh, game, some modern game designs, um, which says we're doing this and we're only doing this and there isn't the opportunity to um, pick up the ball like William Webb Ellis and run with it or uh, be like Thespis and step out from the chorus and start doing your own little thing and sometimes Thespis is a pain in the backside because they're 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 breaking up the continuity and flow and they're making it all about them and sometimes it's absolutely brilliant well I think that a game in that style and a, obviously, the narrower the game is, the more room for different games there is in the market. Mm. Yeah, the, the less likely it is somebody's done a game of this particular thing before. Um, but also... Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if... The, the, this is where we come back, I think, to some extent, to Hamlet's hit points and the idea that you should have a... A story that in, in your game that follows the patterns of a linear fiction story. Yeah. Because if you want to have 
oh let, let, let's say csi or just about any cop show where mm -hmm. um some some somebody may be the lead investigator for the, for this week but basically everybody in the main cast gets their moment of doing something awesome yeah in, in each episode well gumshoe gives you that gumshoe specifically gives you that with it with its um abilities you have to spend because when when I, when i've been awesome for a bit it, it's it's clearly somebody else's turn because i've run out of awesomeness for a bit uh all right well the, the example i was i was i was i was thinking of for um for for games that maybe say yay a story like this was the old buffy Va the vampire slayer role-playing game okay uh, with, with uh what was it called the universe um unisystem Unisystem, um, which had um, a distinctive. This is the the sort of character you are, and this is the sort of character you are, and here are your roles in the game. But it was loose enough that I felt that if Willow wanted to step out and do something um, uh, uh, something different, then she had the the ability to do it. Not necessarily terribly well. At the time, she pretended to be her vampire self and couldn't quite pull it off. Um, but that it was there. It worked. It was loose. It was both loose enough and defined enough uh, that that I could that I could allow the characters to go off and do things that they're not really suited to. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the thing we've mentioned before. One thing I like when you have characters who are ultimately good at something is put a, put in a situation where somebody else has to be the one who does that thing. Yeah. It's funny for one thing. Yeah, but it also it also takes the fairly generic gosh I have a high skill number and turns it into um well all right how how do I implement that when I can't actually get my hands dirty I have to tell somebody else how to do it. Maybe somebody I don't particularly have a lot of respect for, but but I, I need to keep keep them thinking that they can do it and all that sort of thing, the interpersonal stuff that's interesting. Yeah. It is difficult to to create the necessary balance between guidelines and straitjackets, um, and to make the uh, to make to make you feel that it's a support. Um, a lot of this may 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 be down to mood. I uh, I lost a lot of enthusiasm for Pendragon after having done it a hell of a lot. Mm -hmm. After after attempting to do the great Pendragon campaign, which uh, I'm not sure very many people have ever managed to complete. I know people who have. Um, yeah, my, mine ended at the end, end of the Uther phase. Um, mm. I think in part because of, of, that, of that feast, the, the one where if, if your knight is particularly oh. awesome, he gets poisoned. Yes, yeah, that one. Which happened to one of the player's characters. Hmm. And he was really quite hacked off about that. And yeah, I mean, not not in a I'm taking my things and going home way, but he doesn't feel enthusiastic about carrying on with the game, and I can't say I blame him. It was the the, the problem with uh, with maintaining the storyline because Uther does have to have to to die sometime. I, I point out to you that it is nowhere revealed in the Great Pendragon campaign who did that bit a bit of poisoning. Saxons. The point is, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it's there specifically to knock off the top few knights so, so that there is anarchy in the land. 
Yeah. Um, and and uh, it smells of the lamp, to, to use the classic phrase. Yeah, I feel I felt that I felt that was a good moment for the for the the noble knights about whom our story is being told not to be there and to to, to find themselves somewhere else and only hear about the dis- disaster from far far away. Mm-hmm. But um, if you're gonna if you're gonna make them helpless, at least make them helpless at a distance. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there there were problems like that all over the all over the place. There is a lot of stuff that needs to be maintained in order to make the later stories work. Um, but you can't you can't say uh, save the knight of two so- the two swords early on because his fall um, affects everything that's going to co- come after and. The, the my ten, my temptation to make Arthur's story come out happy has to be resisted. Well, if you're going to follow the course of the campaign, it does. Yeah, well. But I mean, that's all right. It, it's a cliche of, of of you know the the, the idiot uh, film producer who wants to make Romeo and Juliet but give it a happy ending. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that's a bad story. It could be a good story, and indeed, and indeed, there are many faults in Romeo and Juliet as it stands. Mostly because it only works with both. If everybody involved is a blithering idiot, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the second thing that uh, we've well, asked to the, talk the, about. Well, this is a related thing. Um, th- this is for games with things like story points or some kind of resource that, that the characters gradually expend, I and mean, it, it applies to Gumshoe too, in the way we were just talking about. But um, things that define the length of an adventure because you basically don't recover them, or you don't recover them in bulk at least, Mm. until the adventure is over. Um, You've played the Cthulhu hack. Yeah. And that that has a similar thing. Um, Your dice will decay gradually over time. Gradually. And quite quite separately from how, how hard the challenges are, if you take if you take on too many challenges without getting a chance to recover, they, then you're simply going to become exhausted and, and incompetent. And okay, you can recover a bit. You know, you you can get a step back mm. by you know going out and socialising or whatever to, to get some smokes back. But unless you're going to take several days off, and that's not something you can do during the adventure. No, well that and that's. There, there's an annoying mechanic of of trading time for competence, which I've never been quite sure how to how to manage because it assumes that the bad guys are are going to go on and do nefarious things, and that is the cost you pay for going off and getting better and healing up your wounds. Um, it's supposed to happen in. Uh, Knights Black Agents, and specifically in the Dracula dossier, but I never managed to make it real to the uh, to the players or to or to me, to be honest, mm-hmm. when I was running it. The uh, all right, it gives you um, a limit to the to the campaign, except where except that it doesn't. You can always cut scenes out of the panoply of things you've got planned and suddenly move things forward to a later stage by GM Fiat yeah, or, th- and lucky coincidence. Yeah, though it does say, uh, in, in the case of Cthulhu Hack, for example, 
that you can probably only have about you know seven or eight 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 skill tests per pc i don't know that that's a number i'm making up it might be be 20 but you've got a fixed number of skill tests per pc yeah and that's pretty much the length of your adventure and you yeah you you could link adventures together but you you can't have a single ongoing thing that takes longer Mm. than that to resolve Yes, the uh, and the, Do- Doctor Who has story points which you are expected to spend pretty much on an ongoing basis. Yeah, and and, uh, and you recover uh, at the end of the end of the adventure and so on. And fate has fate points uh, and and that peculiar cycle of uh, of fate points is is an is an annoying. Thing. Yeah, Savage I, Worlds that we've both we've both played. Uh, you've got the bennies; they at least refresh per game session rather than yeah. per adventure. I uh, logically speaking, there, there there ought to be things in a game universe which work this way. It's just I'm not sure that the abstracted uh, method of is that. Hmm. Is there a difference between something like um, like um, uh, story points, uh, bennies, which are are totally abstracted, and something which is so supposed to reflect a, ca- a capacity in the character of themselves? Because I think that the capacity in the character cap- themselves is harder wired into. It, uh, it makes more sense. Um, you, you you can think of it in terms of, I am now tired, badly wounded, mm. uh, so, so, so seeing um, blue ants boiling out of every every triangular crevice, um, and I need to rest for a bit. It, it's yeah. still, it's so frustrating, but that that's something that's also something that isn't really um, evenly spaced out over the adventure. Um, in Cthulhu Hack, you pretty much every time you make a skill test, you you have a chance of your die going down, and once it starts to go down, it will go down faster because it's when you roll a one. Yeah. Your overall trajectory will start start going down slowly and then go down quickly at the end, mm. which is fair enough. Um, I don't know. It it just feels because it's happening with everything you do, and the the Doctor Who thing is is. At, at least as I see it, um, it, it is intended that you should be spending story points pretty much all the time. At, at least if you want to do anything vaguely dramatic. Yeah, um, the 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 story point the story points is seems like a bonus on top of the uh, of the simulationist bit. It says here, you 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 may you may be Adric. Uh, but once, once or twice per game, you can do something really impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it has. I have to say, it has a difficulty scale that is frankly odd. I, if, if I tell you that the the same very hard difficulty is assigned to talking your way into the White House and reciting a Shakespearean soliloquy without error. I, uh, I feel that I, you have done one of these things professionally. I, so. <laughs> People do do this. Um, there are people who do this every night. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and mind you, there are people who who they, they don't who, necessarily uh, have superhuman levels of skill to do it. Yeah, I, I, I'm reserving my awe from 
Well, people who tightrope uh, every night or juggle with knives every night rather than just uh, managing to get to the end of something you've memorised. The, uh, yeah, the, that is a, that is, a, the, but the, I've lost track of what it was. You've diverted me with your Sorry. flattery. It's all right. I, I think you do want some methods of pacing and bringing the end of the game closer. I have been in investigative scenarios which have dragged like nobody's business as everybody chased all over the place. Yeah, I, th- I think but, some some sort of time pressure is not a bad idea. But is this the is the uh, nobody nobody uses fatigue rules normally? Yeah, um, we, we, they were notoriously badly written and utterly ignored in RuneQuest Third Edition, um, and uh, and because they were tied into the encumbrance rules, that made a certain amount of nonsense of parts of the uh, of the game. But 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 this is um, this is a very peculiar model that um, you're lucky you're you're sort of frittering away your luck your chance and your competency mm. um, in order to get closer to the end at which point you're really really going to need them. It does seem to me that with something more diegetic you have the opportunity to say. Um, Look, guys, I'm a bit beat up. Do you, do you mind if I stay back while, while, while we while we um, go go and assault this gang hideout or whatever? Yeah. Do you mind if I if I if I stay in the car this time? Um, I'll keep the engine running for you. I wait for the prearranged signal. A scream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you hear the scream, you decide this obviously isn't the place. Might as well go home. Mm. The uh, the decay of skill is is the strange thing, and yet it ought to happen. Um, more often than more often than it do, than it does, but we 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 we've got a prejudice towards the ever competent hero. I mean, Sherlock Holmes never um uh, has a hangover. He he never he's never suffering from hay fever or allergy to cats. He's always the, that the, awesome. One one could argue that he may be suffering from overconfidence from all that cocaine, but yeah. Um, and possibly impotence as well, but that's his private business. Mm. Um, I think that the single least popular rule that I've ever read mm. is the one in GURPS Special Ops where it says, basically, yes, the, the, these are people in a supposedly realistic campaign who have very, 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 very high skill levels. And the yeah. way they do that is that basically any time they aren't out on the job, they are training intensely. Mm. Fair enough. And if if you want if you play somebody who's who's been one of these and has retired and isn't keeping up the training, then you you re- they really ought to roll for skill decay. And every player I've met hates that idea of losing skills. Even if you got the points back for them, they hate it. They hate the idea of losing skills. Yeah, well, yes. The this is because uh, we are human beings and we do not like to be reminded that we are mortal. Yeah, but playing a low-powered character would be fine. Playing a low-powered mm. character who used to be a high-powered character is is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 on the other hand, openly acknowledge I used to be more awesome than I currently am. Uh, I feel it every day. Nonsense. Uh, the, here's the thing, though. Um, looking at Call of Cthulhu again, uh, 
this may be coincidence because of the mechanics and the, and the era when it was written and the fact you know, the fact that it started both being essentially cut down RuneQuest. Yeah. Um, but you don't you don't lose your skills particularly. I mean, if you're down some hit points, you're more fragile. If, yeah. you're, down, if you're down some sanity, you may start doing stupid things. But if you have that 90% pistol, you still have that 90% pistol. You, you may be shooting the imaginary deep one. Yeah, well, I think that's because the the decay of character in Call of Cthulhu is driven primarily by, by, uh, by sanity loss. It would be uh, it would be too cruel for you to be suffering simultaneously from uh, a, de- a decay of your reason because you've realised that the universe doesn't care about you and uh, and that the only gods are going to eat you and then and then then uh, digest your soul for all eternity. It would be too cruel to do that to somebody and have them uh, suddenly have the shakes whenever they draw their pistol. Yes, though, though I wonder if it, if it, it, it's as simple as when you go mad in Call of Cthulhu, you, you may be ticking off some sanity numbers, uh, but you are adding a thing to your character sheet, not crossing it off. Yeah, and potentially that sanity will loss will it adds to your understanding temporarily of the of the universe, and that allows you to do more things temporarily until the fact that you know all this uh, drives you o- over the wall. And you and you and you are no longer a, a a functioning human being. Let's face it, this is not really a realistic model of mental illness, but it's it's, and it's not even particularly a Lovecraftian one, but it's 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 in genre four Call of Cthulhu, and that that in itself yeah. works quite well. Okay, the the I don't know the there are larger scale um, time drivers on a campaign level. Um, uh, uh, Monster of the Week, which I mentioned earlier, my Monster of the Week campaign is uh, is being driven by the fact that the there's a thing called luck in it, and you use up your luck, and you can't really regenerate it. And when you run out of luck, your doom is upon you, and that's <laughs> uh, and 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 that's being used to drive the. Um, uh, the game towards the apocalypse, which um, which 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 awaits it, um, and and the players know this, and they're down to one or two points of luck each, and they know mm. they ca- their characters are going to face whatever horrendousness I can I can drag up out of my subconscious very very <laughs> soon now. Um, and I've I've met players t- taking too long over investigative games, and that's relatively easy to solve, I think, because. That there's something they're investigating. It's going to do increasingly horrible things until it's stopped. Yeah. When they go too fast, that's trickier. Uh, I don't think story points or whatever else have, have an answer for that either. No, no, that that requires actual ingenuity and stopping thinking like uh, your players know you always do. <laughs> when will the time travel uh, come into this? Is something my players have been known to ask me at the start of a campaign. Oh, that's cruel. Presumably the answer is it already has. Yeah, well, the, when is a meaningless question in any time travel, uh, a game with time travel in it. So, I, I think our, our, our conclusion of this is that this sort of thing can be useful, but overall we look on it with a certain dubiety. It's another country in the Middle East. Not yet.
<laughs> yeah, I I have my doubts. I think you could. There's a there's um. We we you played we've played what is it called the one with the Jenga tower. Dread. Dread. Yes. Dread. That that is a that is a very um. Elegant and interesting, a time-limiting campaign, but it's for a very depressing and very um, ultimately doomed uh, sort of 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 setting. Well, it's for horror games, basically, isn't it? It's for horror. It's for horror. It's for the sort of horror games that only leaves one or two people sta- standing standing at the end of it. Oh, I, I should point out that the one time I played this. I, I was successful in drawing all the time and, until the point where I realised, hang on a minute, the, the 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 only way to solve this is for my character to die. So <laughs> it was the only way for some, somebody's character had to die. To, to to it didn't have to be you, Roger. I wasn't aiming it at you. <laughs> yes, but the character I was playing didn't realise that, and it and it, no, seemed, and, it yeah. and it seemed right to them. No, no. Yeah, a, a, a player uh, who who is willing to go for a good death is always a a, a bonus, a boon in our, in many sorts of story, the horror story particularly. Yeah, I don't think we've got a clear. I don't. I don't think we've got a clear set of classifications of this hurry up, uh, hurry up mechanics. But um, yes, sometimes they can it, can. it can work, and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, it may even not be deliberate in, so, in something like Gumshoe, but it, but it can be pretty clear that if if you're starting to run low on your investigative abilities, maybe it's time to punch some faces. That the, the investigative abilities only get slightly cruder um, when you run out of points. It's their general abilities. That uh, that you can find yourself in a dire shortage of, mm. uh, and hoping uh, all you can do is hope the person you're fighting right at this moment is also suffering from uh, <laughs> a lack of pool points. If they're a vampire, then uh, then this is probably not the case. Yeah, I, I think that pretty pretty much covers those uh, items. Okay, let's let us say onward at this moment in time. I mentioned earlier, we mentioned earlier, Fellowship, which is one of the offers in the bundle of holding at the moment. This is the second edition of Fellowship we're looking at, um, and it's a game sort of powered by the Apocalypse-ish, um, which is about being the members of the multi-species Fellowship, which is going around and frustrating the evil overlord, who is trying to do wicked things to the world. Now, first of all, this is the Lord of the Rings-ish, and the Belgariad, etc. Oh, all right. And I wasn't quite aware that the uh, the Belgariad doesn't feel like this. It doesn't feel as daft as this. Uh, it, it has the same thing of each each member of the party is from a different culture slash race. Oh yeah, and and is and is your window onto it. Yeah, um, and 
The problem I have with it is a problem of abstraction because it seems to operate not at the level of going out and um, smiting things. In the Belgariad, then, there is the archer and the archer goes around and, shoot things, and shoots things. There is the wizard and the wizard goes around and is wizardly and does wizardly things. And there is the knight who goes around Yes, he goes around uh, smiting things, and he also goes around being tediously chivalrous, long-winded, and pseudo uh, um, uh, pseudo Arthurian, which and of course having an unhappy love affair, and having an unhappy love affair, which is made much mock of. Um, the the problem with 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 the fellowship is it, it seems to with the game is that it seems to operate entirely just about entirely on a political level, on a cultural level, on a diplomatic level, and not on a heroic level. I, 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 I find the book is full of, when you rescue people heroically, to have this advantage because you are this sort of character. And I have very little idea about how they go about doing the heroic rescue. It's... The, the weight of it is all at uh, an abstracted cultural and uh, diplomatic level and not about the nitty and the gritty of trudging across the countryside um, with packs of mules or uh, crossing a, a desert heroically or doing anything or sneaking into, into, into the evil over, overlord's um, castle it, it, it isn't grounded enough. It's a tempting idea, but I don't find it, I don't find it, I don't find it clear enough in my mind. Well, Powered by the Apocalypse is already a fairly abstracted system. Mm, can be, he said. Um, well, I'm, I'm thinking of, oh, uh, what well, is it Dungeon World? The, the Dungeon Bash one. Yeah, the dun- Dungeon World, yes. Smite. Smite um, uh, things, volley, um, what, uh, cast a spell. Those seem fairly specific sort of deeds. Com- yeah, well, th- this also has that. I mean, does it? Lo- looking through the playbooks, it's got you know you, you can cut, you can you choose what you can cast these spells. You can teach other people to cast these spells, uh, but not as well as you can because you're awesome. That sort of thing. Yeah. The uh, there is the difficulty that that, that the the species uh, are they have familiar names like halfling and elf and dwarf but they are also um, they're also capable of being defined and redefined to be no not that sort of dwarf but this sort of dwarf and not that sort of halfling either <laughs> the impression I guess is, is that it's kind of like niche protection taken to an extreme I mean, if if you're playing GURPS Dungeon Fantasy and you are playing the the only barbarian, yeah, then it it is tacitly assumed that you get to say what your home culture is like, yeah, because it's yeah it's never going to happen yeah come into play anyway. Yeah, well, I think that's a, the the same thing. The same thing is common to Dungeon World, does it as well? Yeah, but this. And, and this is enforcing that, and it's saying you you must do this if, if you're if you're playing the elf, you define what elves are like in this world. Yeah. Um, there's also um, 
there's an odd mixture of um, of racial um, uh, uh, types and um, uh, and and social role types. There there is the oh, we're back to classic D and D, aren't we? Oh, yeah. There's the fighter cleric elf. Yeah, fighter cleric dwarf elf. There there is the uh, the squire, the harbinger, the heir. Um, there, there's, and, and that, that's, that, that sort of, uh, yeah, that sort of jars a little bit, um, the difference between, well, this, some of them are cultures and some of them are species. And on top of that, you have destinies, which are things that your species, or is it just you, can achieve, um, once you've uh, become sufficiently awesome and uh and uh, and powerful there is also a lot of stuff about the overlord the the opposition uh and he's not he he's he's not quite the gm but he, he he's he's intended to be a player in himself and have uh, agendas and things that they he can do though he's he is set up to to behave like Harvard, fight fiercely, and then lose. Um, uh, and I'm very, I'm very, I'm feeling that I'm feeling the the gap between uh, between being there and what the game is about. The gap between um, uh, a focus on an individual and a focus on the on the larger on the larger scale. The, uh, Power by the Apocalypse has pulled something like this before with uh, the legacy, the, 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 the post-apocalyptic game, which operates both on an individual level and um, a faction level. And for some reason, I didn't kick against that as much as I'm kicking against this one. Are you? Do you? Did you? Did you get what it was about? Do you, Do you think that there's things uh, I'm missing? Well, there there is a term that was used during the compilation of the Encyclopedia of Fantasy. Yeah. To talk about the, you know, the remember this was happening in the, in the nineties. Uh, so to talk about the um, the epic quests and the lots mm. of things in capital letters mm. and, and, and and of course there are elves and dwarves and halflings and and the the term they used for this was rote fant. They, they they were told that they had to be a bit more polite and so in, in the final book it is called the genre of fantasy. Uh huh. But that was very much what this made me feel like. Um, I'm not a fan of genre fantasy. Mm. I to to some people it is clearly. I can drop into this familiar world and I know roughly how things work. Yeah. And that's fine. It's not for me. Um, I, I, If I want to drop into this familiar world, I'll drop into this specific familiar world. Yeah. Uh, and I w- I've, if I'm going to have fantasy, I would much rather have it fantasy with something distinctive about it. Yeah. And I, I, can't, I can't figure out from this where the focus is and... How you make it real for for people? I gotta say, when I read, I've read, I read the Belgariad. I even read the Malorian. Um Me too. What can I say? I was young. Yeah, I had I had the energy to 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 blaze through that sort of thing, and I didn't 
And even though I recognise the the Belgariad as being uh, somewhat manipulative and somewhat derived, I still enjoyed it because it I felt I had a sense of where I was and who these people were. This I don't get out out of fellowship. Well, I, I think you I think you have to bring the sense of where you are with you. You you define where you are. Hmm. Yeah, I I I am an Alpha Dobbser like this. Yeah. So I am like this too. Yeah, but what's the yeah, the, 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 the driving, you've, uh, maybe it's the, the fact that you, you fall in, you start your play with the fel- uh, formation of the fellowship and you have to fill in backs, uh, back events from there and make sense of whatever evil it is the overlord is attempting to do. Um, after you've started, after you, and you have to find the motivation to want to play from somewhere. And I'm not sure where you do. I wonder whether this is one of those. I mean, can, consider something like Call of Cthulhu, where uh, even if you have an introductory adventure, if you you, know, you 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 find out about the horror, what a sensible person will, will will do at that point is not sign up to fight more horror, but go go home and wibble a lot. Yeah, pretend and, it and, and pretend prob- it never prob- happened. Probably murder probably then murder their entire family to save them the terror of what's going to come later but that's i i think the motivation is assumed yeah all right that's uh, them right okay so uh, that's what i'm doing i'm moaning about what is my motivation here um well yes but this this is a serious thing i mean if, if that's the case then the book ought to say so you know generate a character who wants to be part of this quest yeah maybe it does does there's an awful lot of stuff in there and I, I did not absorb it terribly well. There's, there's two more books. Um, uh, I, I couldn't help noticing that as I was looking, looking through that it's got the standard apocalypse world thing of you know if, if you get a seven or higher on your two dice, then at least moderate success has happened. If you get a ten or higher, then whoopee! Yeah. Yes. And I looked at this particular thing, and it said if you get a seven plus, then it, then basically whatever it does works, and if you get a nine or less, then it fails completely. No, I okay. uh, yeah no yeah no they're 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 putting it very um, those, those numbers overlap. It can't both work and fail completely. Yeah, that, that's that's I think that's not what they're saying. It's saying they're saying seven or greater it works, but nine or less you get a complication. You, you look at the halfling page. You you see if it makes sense to you. Oh, halflings, halflings, halflings. Hmm. Ah, players are halfling. Players are halfling. The 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 uh, illustration make, makes them look aw- awfully um, bigora-ish, but maybe that's just me. Oh, good grief! Yes, it does. It says, uh, "Little folk, uh, courage. When you do something clever or sneaky, while nobody is paying attention to you, roll. That's the one. Roll plus courage. On a seven plus, nobody. Uh, you do it, and no one notices right away. On a nine minus." Everyone notices and knows you did it. Ah, no, what it's... uh, On a nine minus, everyone knows you did it as soon as they notice what you did. Um, Which means that um, seven, eight, and nine means you do it and you get away with it temporarily. Ten or more, you get away with it permanently. It might be that. I certainly don't regard it as clear. I don't... (laughs) 
I never claimed that this, that it was clear. I claimed I understood it. I didn't claim it was clear. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel on the whole why they've chosen to express it that way is a bit of a bog, uh, they, 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 is a bit of a boggler to me. Um, I must admit. Well, let, let's be fair here. It may simply be another in the great many games which simply don't work for us. Yeah. Uh, many of these games are, are very, very much liked by people who aren't us. So, you know. Oh, well. We, 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 we are just hum- humble uh, reviewers, etc. Yeah. All right. Moving on to Termination Shock, which is the second mm-hmm. game, which is by Greg Stolze of uh, Rain and other fine games. Um. This is a game which I described when I was trying to to uh, sell it to my play Monday night group. Um, the campaign I came up with was uh, the Beverly Hillbillies in space. The background is that on Earth um, the singularity happens, and uh, great the great leap forward in um, in technology occurs, and the rich people on Earth. Um, they use it to transform themselves into uh, super powerful intellects and uh, ever living uh, almost human gods. They also create um, a lot of artificial intelligences to go out and um, and explore the solar system and mine and that sort of thing. Um, unfortunately, those aren't your player characters. The player characters are descended from the people who couldn't afford to become um, semi-human gods um, and instead lived their lives out mining Mars and the asteroid belt and generally being poor and oppressed and ignorant. And then, uh, and then the, the, the artificial intelligences turned on, on all humankind and decided to wipe them out. And who's to say they were wrong? Well, yes, they're, they're much misunderstood uh, for uh, for killer uh, for uh, for killer robots. Uh, they 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 they're sensitive souls, and uh, and if you were in their shoes too. But um, what happens is at this point is that the rest of the galactic community notices what is happening, and rescues the uh, the miners and hillbillies and what have you from Mars and the asteroid belt. Because it turns out that outside the termination shock, which is a point where the uh, solar winds uh, stops having a major effect, outside the termination shock, um, the uh, peculiar... Functionally outside the solar system. Optionally outside the solar system. The, uh, the, the peculiar physics of Earth, which denied the possibility of faster-than-light travel and allowed the development of both the earthbound superintellects and the AIs um, stop working. And you have a bunch of people who um, have come from dirt poor, have been evacuated into the greater galaxy, and are trying to figure out what the hell is going on and to make a living um, far away from uh, everything they un- ever understood, um, hanging around in the cheaper bits of the galaxy, um, operating machinery that they have no idea how it works, but generally attempting you, to... You push the button and it goes. That's right. Um, you, uh, you, you push the wrong button and you 
and you get a large amount of Bolognese sauce instead of a resurrected uh, grandfather. But it, it will all work out in the end, we sincerely hope. And that, this, that's the sort of story he's, he, he's trying to tell, the story of um, bewildered folk. And I, uh, ha- yeah, did, did you read uh, last year's Hugo-nominated novels? Not, not all of them, no. I'm, I'm reminded very, very much of space opera. Okay. Uh, in which basically the the aliens arrive on Earth. Yeah. And they they say right well we we we've had had some problems in the past but now now we have a standard and reliable process for determining whether whether a race is really sentient and worthy of joining the galactic community. And. Um. And the answer is you have to submit an axe to space Eurovision and not come last. <laughs> Yeah, there is. <laughs> that seemed to me the sort of thing that might well happen in this game. Well, yeah, all that all that humankind has are a set of highly unreliable uh, uh, recordings of its cultural history. They, they, they manage to upload um, the internet or most of it, and they don't understand most of what they've got uh, because you know they were hillbillies and uh, and and hard scrabble miners. Um, yeah, it was a long time ago, and it probably didn't happen. Yeah, uh, the, part of the comedy is uh, in in one of the uh, playtest uh, series was that the, uh, the the two lead characters were the Crane brothers from Frasier, and they were they were terribly uh, terribly snobbish about their Earth cultural inheritance and understood absolutely none of it. <laughs> so shades of Dino were a princess. Yeah. And, uh, and, and of course, they have to go out and they have to con the much richer and more advanced species into giving them a hand. And uh, that's what the comedy is is intended to be about. The system is another... That's an awful lot of system. For a very small book. Um, uh, Greg Stolze has a tendency to uh, come up with ingenious uh, dice rolling mechanics and push them to the absolute limit. Um, this one uses three uh, different coloured dice for different statistics, and depending on which one is high and which one is low, you can be resolving a problem in a particular way. I think it's rather elegant and fun. I want to give it a chance and, and, and try and run with it. And on top of that, you... I, I'm just thinking of the role players I know who are colourblind, but yeah. All right, I fine. Uh, yeah, you you would have to remember, in which case, we, it's a D6, a D... You're rolling a D6, a D8, and a D12, and adding the and, two and highest... And taking the highest two. And taking the highest yeah. two. But the, the nature of the one that's lowest um, is what gives flavour to your... Result. It's it, it's Greg Stoll. Some, sometimes I I found that particular explanation quite quite ambiguous. But I think what he what he means is if you succeed, then the high colours flavour it. If you fail, the low colours do. I think. Okay, we're going to have to run this sometime and and, and try <laughs> figure it out. And there are um, a series of what's called it permissions. Um, yeah, per- permissions are what, what other systems might call skills, as in they let you try things. Yeah. yeah they, 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 they are the binary gatekeeper. Can, can you do this at all? Yeah. Can, can you make a roll on it? Hmm. But also, but also just, you know, can you do it? Can, can you fly? Can, can you spy a starship? Can you drive a whatever? Uh, uh, exploits. You've got exploits. 
which make your successes better. Yeah, and uh, what's the uh, what's the third thing? Uh, fail safe. Make make your failures less horrible. Yeah. So you know you you, you failed to dodge, but um, you're tough, so you didn't take as much damage. Yeah. For for an obvious example. Uh, an, an exploit would would let you do extra damage. A permission would let you lose, use a heavy, complicated weapon. Um, yeah, the it, it it's uh, it's a nice system. It's not, I'm sure, entirely easy. It seems very elegant. Yeah, that's what he's trying for. Especially, especially if you like the number three. Um, I'm not in. Entirely convinced that it's good, but it's elegant, and it may be good. I just can't tell. I like I like both the I like the idea of the setting, maybe more than I uh, I, I like the setting itself. I, I I'm sort of hoping that he's going to um, do with it uh, as he did with Rain and trickle out extra material for for it. By the time Rain had been out, as long as this has been out, it had two or three supplements already. Um, well, there, there is there is mention of the um, big book of building and fighting starships, mm. which which I believe is a separate thing. Well, I I, I think he's got, currently he's he's in the throes of editing the second edition of Rain in order to get a, a, an exceedingly protracted um, a Kickstarter completed but mm-hmm. and, and whilst I'm looking forward to that I'm also looking forward once he's done that Greg Stolze are you listening to um, uh, to, to more material for this and more um, and 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 more background I, I want to give it a try I'm not sure how I'm going to sell it to my players since my my first attempt uh, Hill, Beverly Hillbillies in space you know died the death well presumably what what you would do at least it goes to me is um, have something that is the virtue of humans. Ooh. Uh, I mean, think, thinking of the Beverly Hillbillies, I, I've never actually seen an episode of the show, but as I understand it, they, they triumphed basically through um, being good, good old boys who just do things straight and, and don't, don't do this complicated trickery stuff. Yeah, um, they are. They are. They are the de- the decent sort. Well, I've got a. A feeling that, that the prejudice in this system may be towards they are the world's they are the the humanity they are the world's biggest set of con artists and salesmen. It did feel, I mean, get, there's there's all this stuff about how it's a post-scarcity society, and then then great slabs of rules and equipment about how it's not really post-scarcity, and anything you want you have to pay for with your hit points. Yeah, now that is now, that's not quite that's not quite as bad as it sounds because that includes social hit points, your your credibility or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, you are you. Uh, yeah, it does. the The thing about post scarcity is it always seem seem to be that you don't have money, but you do have reputation, and you have to go to. T- and you have, in this case, at least you have strict controls on the amount of stuff you have. Mm. Which is a bit odd. I, I wonder whether that's just trying to make it uh, work as a game. Hmm. I, I still want to give this uh, a try. I don't know that hmm. I. I have the. Fi- I, I, I have no, no thought at all of running it. Uh-huh. I, I don't. I, I possibly I could, but it would take a whole lot of work. Hmm. 
But if you, if you play it sometime, I'd be interested. Okay, I'll see. Where, I'll see. I'll see if my energy actually lives up to my uh, to my deter my determination. There are perhaps one day when there when there are role playing conventions again. Who knows? We may hope. There are two. Um, there are two basic ways of uh, the start points um, in the universe. One is you you start with a big rescue of uh, people being snatched from Earth, which I can see the appeal of. Or you start from the point where um, you've been dumped in one of the refugee camps that people have found for you and are desperately trying to figure out um, uh, where we go from here, what all these things do, and uh, whether it's safe to press any of the buttons at all. I'm not sure. I, I like the idea of, uh, of doing the rescue from Earth because it gives continuity with the uh, uh, with, with the ramshackle culture of the of Mars and the mining colonies but uh, yeah, though, though what, what can go differently that's the thing I mean where do the PCs have an impact on that true they're mostly they're mostly spending time uh, sitting back and uh, and looking at, at things maybe in the confusion they could pick up useful stuff maybe in the confusion they find their new clanmates, whatever. Um, but I, I, th I think at, at least if I were going to do it, um, that that would be a thing I, I would give most thought to, because there is this big event that is going to happen, wh wh whether you uh, make your skill roll or not. And to be fair, uh, he he does give the the advice that um, we were talking about earlier, that uh, unless you're prepared both for a success and a failure. Don't. Just don't make the roll. Yeah, quite. Um, I think yeah, you've cut you've cut to you've cut to the the hard point. Uh, where uh, where you go from here is a lot more open once you've got your feet on the ground in some um, neglected corner of the galaxy, and and you're not no longer running away, but you can go up from there. And uh, and find find out new things and meet new people and get into new sorts of trouble. The, the International Organization for the Resettlement of Planetless People would like to help you. No, no, there's no catch. Just sign here. No, don't bother reading the. Oh, if you insist. Yes, yes. So yeah, um, of of the two we're looking at, this this certainly appeals to me more. But it seems. Challenging hmm. to run. Well, well, whereas fellowship, I just thought, where do I start with this? Where do I? It's not where I start with it. Where do I end with it? Hmm. Well, one, one, could, one could put together. I mean, I think either of us could quite easily put together a quest that basically started from that we, we, we need to do something about this dark lord and end, ended with the defeat of the dark lord. Whether we could do it. More interestingly than the whole bunch of them was already out there. Yeah, um, uh, maybe not. Okay, we're we're not going getting into the the game design business, Roger. I'm I'm going to be quite firm <laughs> about this. I don't care how many how many how how many uh, Patreon uh, uh, or or Kickstarter backers we have. I'm not designing a game system. Let me be firm about this. No, no, I'll design the system. You write the adventures. Snarl, grin, drowned teeth. Onward.
If you have uh, the own game system, which you've always been meaning to uh, get ready for publication, I suppose you could send it to us. We might even read it. Uh, but uh, if there is anything you wish to comment upon in our um, diatribe, uh, then you can contact us via... I'll leave a message on the website or email podcast at tequili.ly. And we will be back uh, next time to bring you the great post-virus version of this um, seminal uh, cultural event. Take care.